Thanks for joining me for season five of the We're Not Done Yet podcast. This is Susan Macias, and I'm so glad you're here as we talk about how we can serve the Lord, how we can serve our communities and each other. Because if we're not home yet, we're not done yet. Welcome to episode 507 of the We're Not Done Yet podcast. And you know, if you if you listen to the podcast very often, you may have noticed a pretty long two-month um, stretch of silence. And I wish it was because I'd been lying on a beach somewhere or watching English drama or maybe reading book after book over the summer. But uh, yeah, no, that is not what happened. I got bowled over by life and not by bad things, just by a lot of things. First thing is we've moved into a new house. And if you've been around here a little bit, you might remember that two years ago, we downsized. I did a big thing on how to downsize and really walked through that with all of y'all. And it was a great process. So glad that we did that two years ago. But we moved into the home that my husband had grown up in. And we knew that it was not going to be a home that we could stay in the rest of our lives if we wanted to have our family come around and have our grandkids around because it was just really small. And we are going to, when my daughter gets married this fall, we will be up to 27 members of our immediate family. And that just requires a little bit of space to get together. So we finally, um, the Lord just has put us in a new home that we're so thrilled with. But you know, moving is hard no matter what. And no matter how many times I've moved, which is 11, now 12, well, maybe 13. Um, So I know how to move, and I know it's a lot of work, and this move also proved it is a whole lot of work. We moved in June, in most of June and most of July. My husband was out of town, so he was in town for the weekend of the move, but all of the settling in and stuff I've been doing. Then on June 28th, we had two grandbabies born within an hour and a half of each other. I mean, it's just so much fun. I can hardly stand it, but that was a lot. We've had overnight, we started having overnight guests in our new home before we had even moved in. So there you go. That shows you this home is going to be well used and well loved. And we've had guests since and we've had family gatherings already. Um, And it just has been a lot. So I have moving experience. I got moved in and that was good. I could call on that, but it still has been a lot. And I will tell you that during this time, I have tried. I've tried to sit down and work. But it's like every creative cell was in a coma. I mean, I had nothing. I had no words. I had no thoughts. I had, even when I tried to like go to a coffee shop, so I would be out of my house and out of all the things to do, I still couldn't get any two thoughts to line up together on the same road. It was just like, wow, this is not good. Um, And then uh, I got my manuscript back from my editor. And it has both been encouraging and a little disheartening. She had great things to say about it. I'm thrilled with her compliments that she is not having to give unless she actually thinks those things. But it's also my first novel, and it just needs deeper editing than I had thought it would. And so that means more time. And I'm having to figure out things on the book front. I think that's also put me into a bit of a coma. And then the third thing is that really God has been quiet. And 
I've had this happen at other times in my life. And just like as I moved, I pulled on my moving experience to know what to do and in what order to do things. I have been pulling on my experience of of when the Lord is quiet, how do I handle that? And if you have the Lord speaking in your spirit, you know it's him. I Sometimes I'll think things and I'm like, Lord, is that you or is that me? But when it's God, I know it's God. Sometimes I feel promptings to do things and I've gotten to where I pretty much always do that because I'd rather do it and and it not be God and I mess up than not do it out of fear and find out God was prompting me in something that I didn't do. I don't want to do that. So I have had to go back and think about what do I do when God seems very quiet and and walk through that. And I think these quiet times with the Lord, when he is not clearly giving a direction or instruction, those are very important times for us to grow spiritually. And I have found some, some steps I need to take, some things I need to remember in order to walk through this time in a faithful way and staying close to the Lord. And so I wanted to share those with you today. If you are going through a time where it's silent and quiet, and you're not quite sure what God is saying to do, then please go through these things. I have to remind myself of truth. And these are four specific truths that I'm going to share with you when this happens. One, remember, I must remember God has not changed. He never does and never can. Um, when Moses is getting ready to send the Israelites into the land and he's not going with them, he says, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Moses knew this. He had been following God for 40 years around the desert, and now he was sending people into the next step. And in the next book of the Bible, in Joshua, Joshua is now faced with taking over these people and leading them. And an angel of the Lord comes to him and says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. God had sent that angel to Joshua to give him those words of the Lord so he would know that he was going to have the Lord before him. And the people had the Lord before them. And you have to remember that when you're facing a new challenge or new things. In Isaiah, we now have the prophet speaking to the people, and he's trying to warn them to turn their hearts back to the Lord. And they're pretty obstinate. They really don't want to. But these are the words of the Lord that he writes down and he tells the people. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not, I am the one who helps you. And that is Isaiah 41, verse 10 and verse 13. And those are promises that as God is quiet, I remember. I have to remember God helps me. He still upholds me because he doesn't change. He still has holds me with his right hand. He is the one who helps me. And I have, if as I repeat those truths to myself, then I can keep going in a way where I trust the Lord. 
And then this is also from Isaiah, Isaiah 43, two through five. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you and through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you and you will walk through the fire and you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. And I like that scripture because it kind of gives us like three stages. You know, you pass through the waters. If you've ever walked through a river, like, and if the water rises, it can be kind of scary. Water's very forceful as it flows and it can feel, you know, a little, a little difficult. Now a river's much deeper. You can drown. It's a big deal. And then fire, obviously really bad. So it's like three stages. And I haven't felt like I'm in fire. I haven't felt like I'm floundering in a river, but I have felt like I'm passing through the waters. And there's a lot of things pulling me in a lot of different directions. So I identify with this verse. And so what can I remember about the Lord? I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. He is my Savior. And then it goes on to say, because you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. I am precious to God. And that is true whether he is speaking to me or whether he is allowing a period of silence. He loves me. And then it says, fear not for I am with you. He is with me. So his speaking to our spirits is just one tiny percentage of what God does in our lives. And if we stop and say, okay, unless he's doing that, then nothing's happening. I can't go on. God, stop talking to me. No, we need to remember he does not change. His truth is the same. And I walk in the truth. Keep going. And number two, this is um, why I can keep going and in the fact that God does not change. The second step for me is to remember that God's love is everlasting and does not rely upon me or what I feel. Jeremiah 31, three says, the Lord appeared to him from far away. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. He's loved me with an everlasting love. Psalm 103, 17 says, the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. I mean, that's like the most of the most, you know, it's everlasting now, it's everlasting in the future, it's everlasting, it lasts forever. It doesn't end. That's his love for me for his people. So as I'm feeling a little overwhelmed by quiet, if I remember that I am in a love that never ends, then I can keep going. Psalm 100 verse five says, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. It is steadfast. It doesn't change. It doesn't rise and fall. His love does not correspond to my obedience or to my ability to do what he wants me to do. It's steadfast. I'm not steadfast. He is, and his love for me is. His love is sure. Ephesians 2, 4 through 5, For but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. I mean, think about that. He loved us that much before we were saved. This does not rely upon me. His love relies upon his nature and his character, not upon my behavior. His love is sure, and I don't need to hear him to know that. So if I feel like he is silent, I can rest. I can rest in my Abba's arms, knowing that he is holding me and loving me. And that does not change. 
Okay, so that kind of deals with my emotions. But what do I do while God is silent? Well, step number three, I walk by faith and not by sight or by hearing. Psalm 119.105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And I love that picture. If you've never read um, a Pilgrim's Progress book that's like a children's version, so it has pictures, you should do that. I find it very spiritually uplifting for myself. There's this one picture out of a book that I read to my kids many decades ago, and it comes to my mind whenever I think of this verse about his word being a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Christian, excuse me, Christian is headed towards this really dark abyss. I mean, we're talking, you know, Grand Canyon, yet you cannot see the bottom of it. And there's this little path going across it. And he can't see how wide the abyss is. All he has is this one thin, skinny um, earth bridge to get across. And he's got to take each step very carefully. As long as he stays on his path, he's safe. If he takes one step to the right or the left, he falls into the abyss. And he's got this one little lamp in front to give him light for his next step. If I'm walking by faith and not by sight, I'm just not worried about step number two or three. I just take the next step. So as my creative cells have been in a coma, you know, what can I do? I can get my office set up. I can get, I can be doing some creative thinking and some brainstorming. And if anything comes to me at any moment, I write it down so that I won't forget it. Because it seems like when I sit down to think, then there are no thoughts, but they happen while I'm arranging the books in on my bookshelves. So that, that's what you need to do is take the next step because we're walking by faith and not by sight, not by hearing. Second Corinthians 5, 6 through 7 says, we are always of good courage. Ooh, yeah, I want to always be of good courage. And why can Paul say that he's always a good courage? Because we know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are not in our final place with the Lord. Yeah, it's going to be hard here. There are going to be challenges. That's the deal. But we don't have to walk in, in our knowledge or in what we see. We walk by faith. One of my life scriptures is in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. And I just, I love this scripture so much. So we do not lose heart. I, you know, sometimes you just got to read that sentence and just stop and meditate on that. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Hello, turning 60 this year. Our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, the things that are unseen are eternal. If I just look to what I can see, then I am not going to be encouraged. I have two different families that I know of personally that are going through huge heartbreak this week and under very, very different circumstances. But it has brought me up to realize at no point can I rest in the fact that my children are safe and happy and our family all gets along because you never know what's going to happen. And one family, it's been a big blow up of relationships. And in another family, their daughter, who is an adult, but a young adult was killed in an accident. And 
And both of those families are forever scarred and changed. And if we just look at what we see, there is no way we are going to walk in hope. We see things now, and maybe our families are doing great. We shouldn't have pride. And maybe our families are doing terrible. We shouldn't give up. Because what we see, it's transient. It's going to change. It's coming and it's going. There are eternal things, but they have to do with Jesus and the new heaven and the new earth that he is building. So we can't build our hope and our happiness and our reliance on that we know God is good based upon our circumstances. We don't hope in what we see. And that comes from Romans 8, 24. For in this hope, we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? If we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. You you don't hope for what you see. I mean, if I'm sitting in front of a steak dinner, I don't say, I hope I get to eat steak because it's right in front of me. I'm eating steak. I hope for what I don't see. And I wait for it patiently because it's really probably not going to happen now. It's going to happen with Jesus. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now think about this verse. It's, you know, the Hebrews 11, we always go through the hall of faith. And if you've been in Christian circles and Christianese kind of talking, it's the hall of faith. This is what faith is, which is true. But sometimes we hear things in one way, in one way only, and we don't really get the depth of what God is saying. So when we think about that our outer self is wasting away, that what we see now is transient, that we hope for what we do not see, now listen to Hebrews 11.1. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The examples that he gives in Hebrews 11 first half of Hebrews 11, one of them is Abraham and Sarah. And he talks about their promise they didn't see, but they lived in the hope that God would fulfill his promise. And he did. But it took a whole lot longer than maybe either one of them first thought when their angelic visitors promised them a son and nations to come. Or when they'd left Ur in the first place, it was 16 years before Isaac was born. And after that, it was 40 years before he had sons. No, it was 40 years before he got married and 20 more years before he had sons. So we're not even seeing generations. Sarah's dead. She hasn't seen Isaac have more family. So I just want you to realize, I remind myself of this. It is not what I see. It is what God has promised, and I have faith that he is doing it, and I take the next one step. My job, how do I walk by faith and not by sight? By obedience. By obediently walking in what I know and in my hope for the future, regardless of what I feel. And the reason I can do that is for step number four. I remember that God is never truly silent because I have his word every thing that I've said to do so far, I have only backed up with the word of God, because that is where I have a permanent record for his truth. That is what it is. Second Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says, all scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And I have always loved the progression of that. First, I get teaching. I find out what truth is. Then I get reproved. If you are not getting 
your toe stepped on by scripture, then you need to read more because um, it steps on our toes and it really convicts all the time. It reproves us. It's supposed to. It's supposed to say, yeah, that's not it. That is not how my spirit in you is telling you how to live. And I'm showing you that in my word. And then it corrects. It says, it doesn't just say, oh, bad, 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 and then leave you to feel bad. The word of God corrects us and tells us how to live. And then if we stay in that word, it trains us for righteousness to live in a way that shows how much we love the Lord. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of the soul, the spirit of joints of marrow and discerning the thoughts and tensions of the heart. That word can go deep into our heart and into our minds, into our thoughts, into our intentions. And so how could God ever be silent when his word can go to the deepest part of our core and reveal to us truth? He can never be silent in our life. If we are in the word and we are reading and, and we are studying and we are finding out what he says. Second Peter 1.9, oh, I'm sorry, Second Peter 1.19 says, we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in dark places until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. You know, there's going to be a day dawning. Read Re- Revelation, the end, 21 and 22. I mean, we're going to have light all the time in that eternal city. And you know what? The light is Jesus all the time. But until then, we have the word confirmed that we can pay attention to. And it is a lamp. It's going to shine in these dark places. And someday we are going to be living with the word of God. And I don't know what it will look like. Maybe the word will just be in the air and we will breathe it in. But what I do know is that until then, I have the perfect light and the perfect word for me. Okay, I'm going to read Psalm 119, 7 through 10. And it's kind of long, but I want you to really get a picture. Like really think about the value of the word of God for you. That God is never silent in your life. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Listen, if we're not pursuing the word of God as much as we are pursuing money and food, then we have it backwards because the word of God has more to give us than any other thing. Just look at all the scripture we've been looking at so far and how it can it can revive our heart and turning up, turn us around. In Psalm 119, 130, the unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. And I'm simple. I need all of the understanding I can get from God. If you are going through something, you go, yeah, great. I just don't know where to start in the word. Fine. I need a scripture. What do I do? You know, your best friend right now is amazingly enough Google. Go into Google and say verses for fear, Bible verses for um, sorrow, for depression, for anger. And it will give you just, there's just all kinds of articles where people have um, accumulated scripture and, and cultivated a list 
And what I really uh, suggest you to do is that if you find a couple that really stand out to you, take those, go into your real physical paper Bible. Don't go on your phone because you know other things are on there too that could be distracting. Don't get on your computer. Just go to the actual book and open up the words and read that scripture in context and make sure it means what you think it means when you read it only by itself. And go through and really see what God is saying because he has a word for you. And I have to tell you right now, God is still quiet in my heart. He is still letting, for whatever reason, me walk by faith right now. But that is why I must stay in the word. I need to have every one of these scriptures I've read to you for myself to remind myself of truth. Because you know what? The enemy never shuts up. I mean, never shuts up. And so he's always just in my in my ear about what what I fear and, you know, accusing me and whatever. But I can counter his lies, because that's what he's good with, taking a little ounce of truth, distorting it into a lie. I can counter his lies. I can remember what I know, and I can hold up my lamp of the light of the word in order to see my next best step. That's all I need is one next best step. I've given you four steps. One is remind myself that God does not change. Number two, remember that God's love does not change and has nothing to do with how I feel. His love is everlasting. It will not alter. Number three, I take my next best step walking by faith and not by sight or by hearing or by my feelings, but by light. And where do I get that light? Step number four, hear the Lord in his word, believe it and live it and hold it up for the light for that best next step. So don't despair, my dear friend. Don't ignore God because he isn't speaking to you. He is still holding you. He is still helping you. He is still surrounding you. His spirit is still indwelling you. I believe these quiet times are important for our spiritual growth. It builds strong obedience and muscles to follow through in hope of things not seen. It, it drives us into the word if we haven't been in it to, to hear God again. And it shows us his trustworthiness, not based upon ourselves, but based on, on him. So pick up the light of the word, take your next best step and tell God you trust him and you will follow him and you're ready for him to speak whenever he wants to.